This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree of the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Wednesday, the 8th day of November 2023. This is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and anything else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the audio podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are sure to find something worth listening to, I guarantee. Good to have you with us this morning. Oh, gosh. Uh, All sorts of election news from from yesterday that we'll probably be talking about on Monday. Um, Some some disappointing, some heartening, but uh, at this point it's... At least in my mind, the disappointing seems to be outweighing the heartening. So we'll have to just wait and see how that uh, pans out. I want to do some reading and stuff and think about things. And I've got other things going on today. Mm. So, oh, good coffee. Besides, tomorrow's Thursday. So we got Theology Thursday tomorrow. We're back in the 1689. And then Friday's Federalist Friday. We'll be talking about the current events on Monday's Monday Meandering. Oh, what do we got coming up today? We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ, Volume 1. And then we are resuming our study Bible level Bible study. And I I went back. I haven't had a chance to go back and listen to the final episode from August. Things have just been busy right now, and I haven't had a chance to, uh, to go back and refresh my memory. But I have looked at the fact that looking at the notes and looking what I posted on the show notes, um, it doesn't look like we finished chapter 16. So today we are going to be looking at chapter 16, verses 18 through 22, finish up chapter 16, and then next week we will start chapter 17 afresh. And if this is something we covered back in August, I apologize. We'll just uh, cover it again a second time. You can compare what I said now to what I said then and see if I changed my mind about it, which I don't think I have. Um, So, yeah, that's today. Gosh, what else is going on in the world? Uh, Just interesting times. I guess they they did uh, censor uh, Rashida Tlaib for her pro-Palestinian and uh, anti-Semitic remarks, which she's been saying stuff for years, but they actually had enough members of the House on both sides. I mean, you had Democrats voting to censor because she's, I mean, that far left edge of the Democrat Party is so far left of, you know, run-of-the-mill everyday Democrats, and they're starting to notice. <laughs> um, they've been, the right has been noticing it for years, and and now the left is starting to to notice it as well that, you know, we have some some kook balls on the far end of this, so they are uh, they're dealing with that. Right. All right, so let us then. As I'm today might be a, a slightly shorter episode. I uh, I just got a lot of stuff to do today. I got uh, excuse me, 
<coughs> do not inhale your coffee. I've got, uh, uh, you know, I've mentioned the camera issues. You notice the camera's a little bit different today because I have to mess with it. But uh, the, uh, I've got a uh, video call with the camera makers today for the Lumina camera to see if I can get the software working. If I can't get the software working, I'm going to have to get a new webcam. Um, that's just, um, I've actually got one. I've got a 4K Logitech webcam, and I'll just go back to that. This one has some nice features, but if they don't work, <laughs> then they don't work. Um, so I've got a video call with Lumina coming up today, and I've got youth group to the church, plus some projects here around the house. I guess I, I haven't filled everybody in on our squirrel adventures. <laughs> we have, there's, there is a hollow um, where the porch roof ties into the house roof above our front door. And it has been a squirrel residence for now our third squirrel. We had a, a, a squirrel up there we called Little Girl. She was there for a couple of years. She raised seven. Yeah, seven. She raised two, two litters of, 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 of baby squirrels up there. So we had baby squirrels all over our front porch. It was kind of fun. Um, so, and, and, but then we didn't see a squirrel. She had, she had obviously had some sort of mishap. She lost her. And I'm, I blame the neighbor, uh, neighborhood cat. Don't know for sure. Um, but, uh, she was there tailless for a while and then we just didn't see her anymore. And cause, cause squirrels have multiple drays. So even if they have a dray, by your house they may not use it all the time and so we were used to going days without seeing but not but she eventually just quit coming around whether she moved on or whether she fell prey to injuries or to a predator we don't or a car i mean we got interstate highway a couple hundred feet so um you know we don't know little girl little girl vanished and then last year we had goober and uh goober was the First squirrel that ever let me pet him, he would come up and take food out of my hand. Just an adorable little squirrel. And uh, he was around all through the winter. Well, then last spring we had squirrel wars over our territory. And Goober lost. And uh, so Goober has not been around. And we've had a, another, a, a, an older, larger male squirrel has moved in up there. And we call him Squirrely Boy. Well, Squirrely Boy has gotten destructive, and he has chewed his way through the roof into the rafters of the house. So we're having to clean that out, patch the hole, and and everything. And, and so I'm trying to get all this done before winter, and I'm going to build him a nice squirrel box so he has a, a warm, dry place to stay that will not allow him to chew through the roof and get into the house. So I'm in the midst of, of doing those repairs and we've been cleaning out there, you know, we, we've, we've filled up actually three large trash bags with pine cones and moss and everything that they had stuffed, that three squirrels had stuffed up there. And we're learning how few of the nuts we give them they actually, because we pulled down bags of nuts from above the door. But we're getting that all cleaned out and the squirrel is not happy with us, but we're trying to do it before it, the the bad weather really sets in, so that he'll have a a nice squirrel box up there. So I got to work on that too. So I've just got a busy, busy day ahead and busy, busy week. So without further ado, let us now 
begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all of our sins and serve you with a quiet mind, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, now our reading from John MacArthur's Daily Reading. I hadn't opened my Kindle app. Slight delay. All right. Principles of Giving, Part 1. When you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what you have done in secret will reward you. Matthew 6, 3 and 4. Dr. MacArthur writes, From this and other scripture, we can learn principles to guide us in God-honoring giving. First of all, genuine heart giving is an investment with God. Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Luke 6.38 and cross-reference to 2 Corinthians 9.6. Second, biblical giving should be sacrificial. We don't determine this by the amount, but by the proportion. Consider the widow in Jesus' observation. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a penny. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned. Mark 12, 42-44. Third, Christians of all income levels should give. If you don't give when you have little, you won't necessarily give when you're prosperous. You might give a larger amount, but not, not a greater proportion. Jesus' parable of the unrighteous steward teaches, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much, and he who is un unrighteous in very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Luke 16.10 God is concerned not with how much you have to give, but with how much love is behind the gift. Ask yourself, think of personal examples from your own life where this faithful in small things principle has proven itself true. What have you promised you'd do if only you had a little more? What has usually happened when the more became reality? Good thoughts from Dr. MacArthur. All right. Now let's uh, recite our prayer for the reading of the word, and then we will get into the last part of Deuteronomy chapter 16. Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning, Grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right. Well, take your Bible if you have them, and I hope you do, to Deuteronomy chapter 16, where we are going to be looking at verses... Excuse me. I got a frog in my throat. Sip more coffee. All right. Deuteronomy chapter 16. 
We're going to be looking at verses 18 through 22. Let me read these, and then we will talk about them. You shall appoint for yourself judges and officers in all your gates of the towns which Yahweh your God is giving you, according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not distort justice. You shall not be partial, and you shall not take a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. Righteousness, righteousness you shall pursue, that you may live and possess the land which Yahweh your God is giving you. You shall not plant for yourself an asherah of any kind of tree beside the altar of Yahweh your God, which you shall make for yourself, and you shall not set up for yourself a sacred pillar, which Yahweh your God hates. So this is talking about, you know, again, we have seen throughout Deuteronomy that Moses is reapplying the law from the situation where Israel was encamped together in the desert as you know, even though they were subdivided into tribes and, and clans, they were all together in one place so that they had a, a single system of justice in the camp. Um, obviously, they had, you know, we, we, we saw that, you know, Moses appointed leaders of tens and of hundreds. So, and then, you know, so they would judge the cases. And then if, if something was too hard, you know, if the, the leader of 10 couldn't decide, then it would go to the leader of 100 above him. And if he couldn't decide, eventually it would get to, to Moses um, if, if uh, the lower levels of the judiciary had not been able to decide the case. So, you know, Moses was the final court, Supreme Court, if you will. And uh, I think it went to the high priest before it went to Moses. And then, of course, after, after Moses' death, the high priest and the, the Sanhedrin were the highest court. Um, but the, the, the whole idea was that you're not going to be in one place anymore. You need to have judges in the gates of all the towns and villages, which, which God is going to give you as we conquer the land. So this is establishing a, a it's, it's not a new system of government or a new system of justice. It's not a new judicial, but it's being adapted to a more widespread, excuse me, more widespread population. And so that's what we're seeing here. That He's saying when you get into the land, you get into where you're going to be living, you need to appoint judges in each town who will sit in the gates, which was the, the place of, of, of justice. Um, they didn't really have a town hall. The gate and the, 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 the gate of a town usually had a square right inside of it, which was the main gathering place for the town. Um, Usually it was a. It served many purposes. It was a, a a large open area by the exit entrance and exit to the town, and so it was a it was a meeting place. They didn't have you know huge meeting halls and stuff. Um, they couldn't you know, rent a sports stadium or anything like that, and they didn't really have governmental building. You know we think we got you know courthouses and stuff like that. They just didn't have that. So the the gates of the city was where the the rulers of the city met and pronounced judgment, etc. And so they said, appoint for yourselves judges. So we see here, a, there's a, a democratic principle that, that you're going to, you shall appoint for yourself judges and officers in all your gates of the towns which Yahweh your God is giving you according to your tribes. So 
this is self-government. And this is something we don't think about. He said, you know, these are, you appoint for yourselves. Choose from among yourselves. Judges for your city. So the judge of a city, you know, the, the judges and officers in a city should be chosen from the people that live there um, and chosen by the people that live there. So, you know, this is a this is a very familiar idea to us. You know, the 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 mayor of Boston shouldn't live in Miami. You know, the, the mayor of Boston should live in Boston and the people of Miami shouldn't choose the mayor of Boston. The people of Boston should choose the mayor of Boston. Um, and so that's the you know, that's a, a strong principle that, that we recognize even today. And so this was a, a self-governing system. The other thing is, you know, he said that they're, they're supposed to be according to the tribe and everything, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. The judges and the officer's job was not to determine the law. They didn't make the laws. God gave the law to Moses, and Moses passed it down to the people. They were charged with judging in accordance. Um, if they disagreed with the law, they didn't get to change it. They didn't get to, to oh, yeah, that's what the law says, but I don't like that. We're going to do this or we're going to do that. Not their mandate. Their mandate was to judge righteously, which is mean to judge honestly, to judge fairly, and to judge according to the law. So the, the same law would be applied to everyone all the time. Um, we're seeing this I mean, in, in city after city across the United States where you don't have righteous judgment, where officers appointed in cities <laughs> don't enforce the law. Uh, I'm thinking of some of these district attorneys that, uh, you know, have been letting people get away with crime. They, they just, they don't. Don't uh, um, enforce the law so that you have all these smash and grab robberies. You have, you know, the vagrancy and everything. I was listening to a report the other day and there was a, a, a sexual assault. And this is, I believe, was in Los Angeles because it was the Los Angeles County, County DA Gascon that, that refused to prosecute. But it's on security video from several locations. So this happened in broad daylight in the middle of the street. A, I believe he's a homeless man, sexually assaulted a woman on the street. And it was filmed. Now he got, you know, somebody stepped in, which is a rarity these days. And the guy actually fled. Um, and, but, and they know who he is. It's on camera. They got the film and everything. The, the woman who was assaulted is not being silent. She has come forward. Um, she has known... To the prosecutors, she's known to the media. She's spoken out. But the L.A. County District Attorney has refused to prosecute. And this is a pretty gross crime. And it, it's, you know, like I said, it was captured on camera. They don't even have to, you know, really search hard for the evidence. All you got to do is look at the film um, or videotape. So, you know, you have this assault that takes place. And the District Attorney is refusing to prosecute, refusing to press charges. The local magistrate, the local attorney has filed a misdemeanor charge, but that's the most he can do. And he is trying to get the L.A. County prosecutors to go after this, but they're not doing it. That's not judging righteous. That's failing in your duty. And so there's a, there's a, you know, they're supposed to judge righteously. He then expands on that. He says, you shall not distort justice. I mean, you know, justice is just punishment for transgression of the law. 
distorted justice is using the law as a tool. Um, I can't help but think about everything that's being done to Donald Trump right now um, with uh, all of these charges and trials that he's facing in different, you know, from federal to state to local level, you have had left-leaning partisan district attorneys that have gone after him for political reasons. And and this is, I mean, the 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 New York thing, yeah, that which is of course where he just testified. This is a a quote-unquote civil trial, even though it's a lawsuit that was brought by. The, the district attorney or the, the state attorney general, I'm not sure, Letitia James. Um, and the judge has already ruled that Donald Trump's guilty of fraud. And the thing, with it, what, they're, what they're accusing him of is presenting to banks and insurance companies inaccurate valuation of property in attempts to get a loan. And the thing is, and you look at this, is, okay, he went, went to the went to the bank and said, my property's worth this much. I want to borrow this much. They lent him the money. It's been paid back in full on time with interest. So this is a, a business deal that has already been concluded. And now they're coming after him saying, you, you lied about the value of your property. That's fraud. You know, it, it's, it's not like he cheated anybody out of any money. He paid back the loan. Um, so it's a, and then, you know, so all the other things, it's like, these are politically motivated. And the reason I know they're politically motivated is the fact that none of these cases would have been filed if Donald Trump wasn't running for president again in 2024. Um, if Donald Trump had retired to Mar-a-Lago and gotten out of politics and just played golf and enjoyed his billions, none of this would happen. They wouldn't, even though they hated him, they wouldn't have gone after him. Or if he'd been like, you know, George W. Bush... Uh, and just started hanging out with Barack Obama and and hanging out with the the Democrats and supporting leftist causes, they sure wouldn't have gone after. Um, I just I remember how hated George W. Bush was when he was in office by the left, and now you know they couldn't care less. They're never going after him, you know. And and when you see him is you know sitting next to Barack Obama and they're laughing it up and having a good time. It's sad. So, you know, you have this, and man, how about Obama and his comments about Palestine? We'll get to that. Um, so you have this distortion of justice taking place in our land. God says that's not supposed to happen. That was not supposed to happen in Israel. It shouldn't be happening here. He says, you shall not distort justice. You shall not be partial, meaning you don't rule in favor of somebody because just because you like them. You don't rule against somebody just because you don't like them. You judge on the merits of the case and what the law says. That's the job. Um, partiality distorts that. If, if you're partial, you know, hey, yeah, he did it. I've got, you know, I look at the merits of the case. I look at what the law says, and I'm pretty sure he's guilty, but I like the guy. So I'm going to let him off. Or you look at the merits of the case and say, yeah, it's probably not a real good case. He may or may not have broken the law, you know, it, it's not conclusive, but I don't like the guy. So I'm going to throw the book at him. That's partiality. And that's wrong. It's immoral. It's unrighteous. You shall not take a bribe for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. So corruption, 
and 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 notice this is this is not just judges. And remember, when we talk about judges, we're not talking about the modern concept of judges. When we think of a judge, they're very limited in their role in a courtroom. The judge in ancient Israel, the judge in this context, was a magistrate who, in the course of all his other duties of governance, presided over legal matters as well. So, you know, taking a bribe, you know, this this would include, you know, judges and officers, it says. This would include, you know, the building inspector taking a bribe to, you know, issue a building permit he shouldn't issue or in, a, in a zoning area he shouldn't issue or, you know, to overlook, uh, you know, shoddy workmanship or shoddy goods, you know, just take a, take a bribe and let it pass. This is quite common in many areas of the world, which is one of the reasons why you see, um, oh, I'm, I'm thinking back, gosh, it's probably been a couple of decades, massive earthquake in Mexico City. And many buildings were leveled, many lives were lost. And it came out, you know, in the stories and stuff that a lot of the, they had pretty good building codes on the books um, for earthquake-proof buildings. Um, you know, kind of the same sort of thing they have in California. They have earthquake standards for building projects. And, you know, in Florida, they have hurricane standards. You have to build a building to meet these standards to withstand hurricanes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mexico City had all that in place, but city officials had been paid off, and many of the buildings that were built were not built according to these standards. And so you had buildings that were supposed to be earthquake safe that, you know, at, at the slightest tremor fell down, and it killed a lot of people. And that, that was, they were taking bribes. A bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. So it blinds the eyes of the wise. Is you know, people, they knew better. They knew why those standards were there. They knew it's an earthquake-prone area. They didn't uphold those standards. They took a bribe instead. It blinded their eyes to the truth of the situation. People died. And a bribe perverts the words of the righteous. So if you have a court case where somebody is testifying and yet the judge is paid off, it doesn't matter how righteous the words of the witnesses are, it doesn't matter. So, so taking a bribe perverts justice. So this, this would include, you know, not just in a court case, this includes, you know, people in government taking bribes to do things. Corruption in office at all levels. <clears throat> um, so don't distort justice. Then verse 20 says, righteousness, righteousness you shall pursue, that you may live <clears throat> and possess the land which Yahweh your God is giving you. So pursue righteousness. This is the goal of every godly person. We want to pursue righteousness. Now, again, we see that the Sinaitic Covenant's conditional and temporal. It's conditional. You know, if you do this, then you will be blessed. And it's temporal. Everything takes place in the here and now, not in the, not in the eternal state. So he says, you know, you shall, you know, pursue righteousness so that you may live and possess the land which Yahweh your God is giving you. And that's been the standard all through this, the covenant in Sinai. Obey the law, live prosperously and peacefully in the land. Disobey the law, you won't have peace, you won't have prosperity, and eventually you won't even be in the land. And and we've we've seen all of that play out in history. So that's judging and, and being honest and, and being, you know, 
running your 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 government according to righteous standards. Um, it's important now. It was important then. It's it's these are these are not, you know, <laughs> these are not uh, um, like the dietary laws. These are not like the the blended fabric laws, which had a more ceremonial purpose and a more cultural purpose. These are moral laws. This applies to the moral standard. Don't pervert justice. Don't take bribes. Don't be partial. Judge righteous. Govern righteous. Important in our world today. Then the last two verses, different subject, back to the false worship thing. He says, you shall not plant for yourself an asherah of any kind of tree besides the altar of Yahweh your God, which you shall make for yourself. And you shall not set up for yourself a sacred pillar, which Yahweh your God hates. So this was a, a case of we're getting into the, the worship requirements, and this will continue through 17, which we'll pick up next. So, you know, the, the civil government of Israel was under God's law, and the religious practices of Israel were under God's law. And this is, again, a prohibition against blending the sacred and the pagan. Don't blend, you know, try to blend godliness and ungodly. You know, avoid any kind of syncretism like this. Um, I often think, uh, one of the things that just always strikes me, the areas of the Caribbean that are um, the, the, the voodoo culture, the voodoo religion, which came out of Africa with the slaves. I mean, they, you know, they, they had brought this tribal pagan practices from Africa. And especially in the French-held Caribbean islands like Haiti, the Dominican Republic, these areas that were French-dominated, because um, you had Spain, Spain also, so you had, you know, Spanish and French areas were, were Roman Catholic. And so if you look at modern voodoo practitioner iconography, the images and everything they use, you will see a crucifix on most voodoo altars. The, the crucifix, the candles, statues of Mary mixed in with the, the implements of the practice of voodoo. That's called syncretism, where you blend these two different beliefs. Um, this is a prohibition about that. The, you know, um, Asherah is referring to a, this was a, a female deity that, that went with the Baals of the, the Canaanites. And, and so the, the, the Asherah, you said, don't build an Asherah or any kind of tree beside the altar of Yahweh, your God. Apparently this is a sacred grove kind of thing where they would, you know, kind of a nature worship, the worship of Asherah. So it involved trees, <clears throat> kind of maybe even similar to Druidic practices in Europe. So they were told, don't do this. Don't, don't blend, you know, don't put the Asherah grove next to the altar of God. And don't erect a sacred pillar. This was a, a phallic symbol that was quite common and still is in, in pagan worship around the world. Um, pagan worship seems to center often on uh, sex and fertility. That's just a, you know, it's, it's sensual and materialistic. And that's quite common um, around the world. So, and that was true in Canaan. So don't try to blend that with the worship of God. They're mutually exclusive. And, and this is just reiterating the fact that there is only one God and he alone is to be worshiped. And his standards 
are the standards you are to live by, not the standards of the world. That is our look at the very end of chapter 16. Next Tuesday, we'll pick up in chapter 17, verse 1, and continue our study Bible level Bible study of the book of Deuteronomy. All right, let us now recite our faith. Excuse me again. Oh, I don't know why I'm having such a hard time this morning with my throat. I think it's all the dust from cleaning out above that front door, maybe. Three squirrels over five or six years can pack a lot of stuff up into a little hollow in the roof. All right, let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the colic for the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost. Grant us, Lord, not to be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly. And even now, as we live among things that are passing away, to hold fast to those that shall endure. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The colic for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us safely to the beginning of this day. Defend us by your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor run into any danger, and that guided by your Spirit we may do what is righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now the colic for the unrepentant. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for today. Um, I got a busy day ahead of me. You probably do too. I pray that God will watch over you and that you will strive to pursue righteousness in all of your actions today. Hope you have a great day. Remember, do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. And whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.